Brad Thor, welcome to The Protectors. Great to have you on. This has been, you know, it was kind of weird last week. I was looking, I'm like, hey, who is uh, Brad Thor's publicist? I really want to have him on the show because you have an incredible background. And all of a sudden they reached out to me. So uh, thank you for that. That's awesome. You're welcome. Glad to be here. 19th book in a Scott Harvath series. Um, you must know him inside and out. Now we're just going to get, we're yeah. going to get right into it. Now, Scott, Navy SEAL, Secret Service, and jumps right into the espionage world, not quite by choice. What does that transition to build a character and how do you make it realistic that, you know, it's fiction, but how do you make it realistic that it's believable? Well, it's, it's interesting because the character's based on uh, several people I know. In fact, the, the name Harvath comes from a friend who's at DOJ who processes FISA warrants. So that's kind of uh, interesting. But uh, this idea of taking Harvath from the special operations community and getting him into the intelligence world uh, came years ago. I know somebody that was tapped by somebody at the agency that said, you know, you've got a lot of skills. I don't know why you never ended up at Langley. You should have, but great you did what you did. But I'm going to download everything I know into you, and I'm going to make you like this awesome guy that we can drop anywhere in the world, and you're going to get, uh, you know, get stuff done. Uh, so that for me, I thought was very interesting. How do you, particularly because I began with Harvath as a SEAL who gets recruited to the Secret Service. So you're taking somebody who's used to being on the pointy end of the spear on offense and putting him on defense because he essentially, he's not on a cat team or even, even a cat team is, I mean, obviously there's, that's going to be kinetic if the situation presents itself. But if you're on a presidential detail, which is what I had Harvath doing, that was strictly, you know, cover up the primary and get them out of there and let the cat team handle whatever threat there is. So as the books evolved, I even had the president of the United States in my novel say, you're too good to be on defense. We need you on offense. And I'd always been fascinated, particularly kind of in the post 9-11 world, where a lot of people who didn't understand the Geneva and Hague conventions talked mm -hmm. about them all the time. You know, oh, we've got all these rules and we can't be worse than the enemy and everything. And I like to joke, you know, a contract's only good if you and I both sign it. If I yeah. sign it, I can't hold you to it. And so particularly with uh, Islamic terrorist groups like Al-Qaeda and things like that, they were not following any rule book at all. So they were hiding amongst civilian populations, mm -hmm. using you know women and children for cover and all this kind of stuff. And I wondered, at what point could a noble nation like ours say, all right, listen, if these guys aren't playing by the rule book, we've got to at least have a few of our own guys out there and just say, listen, this is not Marcus of Queensbury. We're going to give you everything you need. Go get these guys. But we pick operators that we know have a good moral compass. And that's what happened with my uh, Navy SEAL, Scott Harvath, is that POTUS said to him, do what you have to do. You're going to have to break some eggs to make an omelet. But if, it, if you do it with the right frame of mind, which I know you will, Scott Harvath, I'm comfortable with kind of turning a blind eye to what you have to do. So that was kind of the behind the scenes author's mind that was going on while I was uh, writing these thrillers. That's excellent points. And plus, Lines Lucerne came out post 9-11. Were you writing it pre-9-11? 
In, yeah, in fact, we had the stop the presses moment where we actually had to stop the presses on the books because it came out uh, right after 9-11. So it came out in January of 2002 and we had to stop. We had it all put to bed because I had talked about all the greatest terrorist attacks up to that point. Mm-hmm. And I, so as far as we know, I'm the first thriller author to have ever mentioned 9-11 in a, uh, in a novel because ours came out right after the September 11th attack. Up a little bit. You know, post 9-11, I think really you are the first one to have a protagonist who was the tip of the spear, Navy SEAL, LEO, law enforcement officer. I can't really think about it. I mean, like um, Tom Clancy, yes, with the Jack Ryan series, but he, that was never his real, he wasn't like a tip of the spear. He's more of a spy. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of authors, I believe, you know, all like the, the modern, you know, after 2009, 2010, really have a, a type of protagonist like yours. Yeah, it, it seems to be with everything that happened and all these attacks. And as we were discussing, the, the bad guys don't play with a rule book. I think we want as a, as a nation, we want to believe that these men and women are out there uh, taking care of some of this nation's most dangerous business and protecting us and willing to, to, to bend mm-hmm. a rule or two here. You know, we saw a lot of things that were interesting between uh, the Bush administration and transitioning into the Obama administration where yeah. all of a sudden things that were legal as far as uh, enhanced interrogation techniques and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff now were being reviewed by a new administration. And so there's been all this talk about, uh, you know, should the should the uh, intelligence officers at Langley have had uh, some sort of insurance in case they got prosecuted in the future. It really is complicated. And for as long as men have bound themselves together in bands to go out and hunt and do this thing, particularly uh, to do different things, particularly warfare, there's been politics involved. So uh, that's always a component in my thrillers is, I mean, they are political thrillers. They're international thrillers, but I like to deal with, what are the men and women who are out there on the front lines who are going downrange to take care of some of these very serious operations? Mm-hmm. What are they facing? And that's my goal. I, my middle name is entertainment. So I want you to have, you know, book in the hand, toes in the sand, be flipping those pages, enjoy it. You can pick up one of my books. It doesn't matter if you start at the beginning or start with the most mm-hmm. recent one. I just want to show you a good time. But if you walk away having learned something about those communities and how the system works and all that kind of stuff, and you didn't know you were learning something, it's it's the icing on the cake for me. There is so much post 9-11 with Jawbreaker and so much real world ops out there where the agency was on the ground, like, you know, crown lasing devices, the old fashioned glids. and First game, by the way, was a great book about Jawbreaker. First, I don't know if you ever read. Yeah, yeah, uh, I have. I've, I've read all in, the, almost all. Just of how it. they were going to REI and loading up on yep. Ellie Hansen gear, and it's almost like if you read uh, Sebastian Younger's book, A Perfect Storm. Yep. He talked mm-hmm. about how the fishermen would go to the grocery store, and they said it was like a rodeo because they bungee like all these shopping carts yeah. together, fill them with steaks, and all this. So even down to the, you know, how these guys geared up before Jawbreaker in particular, where they went in to link up with uh, Masood's guys, the Northern Alliance in Afghanistan, was fascinating. So that detail stuff, for me, that's always been the bedrock of a great thriller is the detail stuff. Uh, My wife will finish a book. I won't. If you put a safety on a Glock... You're already in the doghouse with me. And if you, if you make too many mistakes <laughs> that show you're lazy and not willing to do the work, 
I, I'm out, but I probably sweat this stuff more than anyone else because it's, it's tough. I have to strike a balance between how does this stuff really work and how do I keep people entertained? Because I've had guys at the yes. agency say to me, hey, you'd have eight cutouts between what you've got going here and getting to this guy here. And I see, yeah, but nobody's going to sit through you having eight different meetings in the book. So you have to find that, <laughs> find that you know, balance. A meeting to have a meeting to have a meeting. Welcome Absolutely. to the government. That's you know, it. acquisition, I'm glad you brought that up. Acquisition for the soft teams and for everybody in the service changed after the 90s. When I deployed Iraq, we actually went and they were issuing us like Oakleys and and new boots yeah. and also like new uniforms. I'm like, wow, it's just incredible. It's not like before you just have to go out and buy it yourself. Red Team Analytics, I know you can't talk too much about it, but I like the idea that the government called you in to do like a red team, red cell. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. always call red team analytics because just for my educational background and some of the stuff I've done in the past is uh, for the audience out there, red team is where you go in and you kind of war game and you game plan. What could possibly happen? What better person to bring in than Brad Thor who really thinks this stuff up like in depth? Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. The analytic red cell uh, team at uh, Department of Homeland Security is what it was originally called. And kind of like SEAL Team 6, there have been all these evolutions of the name, you know, oh, yeah. that doesn't exist anymore. Oh, yeah, by definition, by that title, it doesn't exist. Uh, I always joked and said it was the Las Vegas and government programs because what happened in the red cell stayed in the red cell. Mm -hmm. I couldn't put it into any of my books or anything like that. But my dad was third Marine division. Uh, he served our, our country uh, admirably in for me to be asked to be of service to the country, not by picking up a rifle, but by using the gray matter between my ears was, was an unbelievable honor. So they asked people to, Post 9-11, before the 9-11 commission uh, had mm -hmm. ever uh, convened, the federal government realized we got hit on September 11th yep. because of a failure of imagination. They said, that's never going to happen again. So they said, let's bring in creative non-government types from outside D.C. So they brought in people like me, Michael Bay, the Transformers uh, yeah. director, did 13 Hours, uh, the Benghazi movie. And they just put us with all the alphabets in the soup and said, all right, we want to examine what attacks you think might be coming here and abroad, uh, where are we soft, what do we need to harden up? Mm -hmm. uh, and then there were interesting things where, you know, they would never say these are pieces of intelligence we've gathered, but they would say, okay, if you had this and this, what, would, what might you do with this scenario? Yeah. Or if this was happening at the same time this was happening, how might you exploit that? And the only scenario that they ever published that we're ever allowed to talk about publicly is they looked at hurricane preparedness in the United States. And if a hurricane was barreling down like on the Gulf, uh, how might terrorists take advantage of that? Whether it's all of the rescue equipment marshaled outside the path of the storm, ready to come in and help people or hitting uh, shelters, things like that. That's the only one they ever publicized. In fact, I came up with a particular attack scenario that ended up happening overseas. And I called my person at uh, DHS and I said, okay, it's happened. Can I talk huh. about that and say, you know, I saw this coming. And he said, nope, we don't talk about anything in here. You can, even though it's been in all the papers, you can't talk about it. So that's, you know, it's fun to go and do for the government what I do with my books. And that was the, that was the idea. When I worked for Homeland Security for ICE, we actually had a course that DHS put on called the National Planners Course. And this was an emergency response to events, but not just looking at it 
from one aspect of like the law enforcement aspect. We then took in the fact that, hey, you know what? We're going to be paired up with emergency responders, FEMA, and everybody else. And we would actually game plan and come up with planning scenarios. So I'd like to think that maybe your, your red team analytics transition into having a full-time coursework that merges all of the activities because you can't just have an LEO response to a a natural disaster, which might also have a terrorist event. Um, Mm -hmm. There might be exploitation. So yes, the DHS actually has a, has a really good program. Um, They changed the name of it, but DHS planners course, it's really good. Thank you, Brad Thor and the red team. So you mentioned Michael Bay and, and, you know, a lot of the protagonists now are having their own TV shows, i.e. Uh, Jack Ryan, Jack Carr's James Reese is having one out. When are we going to see a Scott Harbath? Well, uh, we actually have a phenomenal producer. We just picked up uh, probably the best director in the industry. And so now we're looking at showrunners as we're recording this. And uh, so we're in a really good place. I'm not allowed to make any, uh, <laughs> I'm not allowed to reveal anything yet because they, the Hollywood people want to come out when this thing is all done and put in place. But obviously with COVID, uh, the, mm-hmm. the challenge is when do you get people back to work and how do you do it safely? Particularly uh, the Screen Actors Guild in Hollywood has yep. been very concerned with how you protect the actors. And, and of course, they're concerned about the crews and all this kind of stuff. So uh, we're working. Uh, it's, it's like the duck paddling. You don't see the feet underneath the water line. You know, we're working really hard, but uh, we're hoping that we can uh, get beyond COVID or pick uh, one of my books that we can actually go to a non-coronavirus or very low COVID country and potentially film there. So there's, there's a lot of things we're looking at uh, in almost doing kind of a red cell type of thing. What happens if mm-hmm. you know, things don't open up here again, or it spikes, or we want to go to this country and that spikes. So it's, it's very much, I've heard a lot of producers say that mounting a big production is like going to war because you've got to feed your troops. You've got to house your troops. You've got to equip your troops. You've got to move your troops. And it's, it's probably a good comparison you know, up until their shooting is a little bit different. Than yeah, it's, it's, it's a one-way shooting range, not a two-way. <laughs> and, and you think about the logistics. If you ever look at the screen, the end screen credits, it's almost like a battalion of people are involved. And you do have to think of every little minuscule logistics and have the backup plan B, plan C, plan D. And hey, what if, you're, what if your star needs to get changed out? Brad, Near Dark, it's coming out soon. And anything you want to share with the audience about that? Sure. So uh, one of the focuses that I've had recently is I'm really, really concerned with what's going on uh, with with Russia and how Russia is taking advantage of a lot of things. In fact, before uh, before I hopped online with you, I was just starting to read an article at justsecurity.org about the extent to which the Russians have been uh, arming the Taliban, and how sophisticated yeah. the weaponry is and everything. And it's very, very interesting. And I mean, you were in Iraq. Uh, you know, I've had a lot of buddies that were in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I remember hearing you could, you could basically tell when the Russians, whether it was via the Chechens or whatever, you know, really got involved in the theater because you saw the sophistication of the, the attacks really yeah. jump up. So whether it's the EFPs that they were behind and that kind of stuff. So, I've been I've been concerned about 
what happens in the United States with a war-weary population? We've been in Afghanistan, we've been in Iraq. What happens if Russia moves on one of the smaller NATO countries in the Baltics, let's say, mm -hmm. Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia? Will Americans want to send their sons and daughters back to war for a place most of them can't even find on a globe? And uh, so there's nothing, the only thing Putin hates as much as he hates the United States is NATO. So in my thrillers of, of late, where the espionage stuff has really just been going off the charts in my books, is what if we had a president who said, I don't want to go to war. I understand that uh, an attack on one NATO nation is an attack on all, but I'm going to give you, Scott Harvath, everything you need to make sure that the Russians aren't able to pull us into something or somebody else's via NATO partnership. And so that's kind of been my fun area to play with uh, over the last several books. And, and readers have just loved those stories. That's this the, it's it. got this funky kind of silver mirror cover that is a little bit tough to see probably with the lighting in here. But uh, yeah, so it's fun. So a hundred million dollar bounty has been placed on my guy, Scott Harbath on his head. He doesn't know who placed it on him. And the only way to kill a contract is to kill like that is to kill the guy who placed it on you. So he's trying to reverse engineer to figure out who put the contract on him. It's a great global chase kind of thing uh, with a very cool new character that I've created to help him out, a uh, gorgeous blonde uh, Norwegian intelligence uh, officer who had been part of their all-female special forces uh, unit called, uh, it was called Tundra at first, and I believe now it's called Jaeger. So. I love it. You know, life, it does sometimes imitate fiction and, that's one thing about your books is uh, very streamed in real world scenarios, especially what we're seeing now and, and in the past. Brad, I really appreciate you coming on today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you.